We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? Five straight. Ho- holy points, Nicholas. Holy points. Holy points is right. 144-127. Win over the Hawks. Five straight wins for the Nets. I think this is the first time since like 2015 or 2013, something like that. Crazy that the Nets are playing so well night right now. We saw an offensive explosion today, Jack. Just crazy to think this is our Nets. Yeah, I, I mean, we are becoming a somewhat elite offensive team. I, I hark back on you know on, on a couple of podcasts in saying that for the Nets to be a playoff team, they're going to have to be top 10 in one of the areas. And, you know, early in the season, we had that sort of, um, we were in that top 10 range, playing very good offensive basketball. Then we had the eight-game losing streak, and we dropped down a little bit. But, you know, the past few games, you know, defensively, I think it, it, it has fed us as well. I think that both things have worked quite well. But the offensive game and the way the ball is moving and the way the shots are being made and the, the ball movement, it's just a, a thing of beauty. And it's something that you know we're turning into a Houston Rockets type and uh, we're playing very modern, very aesthetically pleasing basketball. Yeah, 100%. And 144 points will definitely boost you up in the offensive rating category. So I'm kind of interested to see where the Nets sit tomorrow. But like you said, also kind of similar to some of the good teams. Now there's more than one good player that you're expecting to put up points. You know, the last two games was Dinwiddie. Tonight, D'Angelo Russell, 32 points, 13 and 19 from the field, seven assists, very controlled, probably one of his best games ever as a net. What made it his best game ever as a net, Nicholas? The stat line is very balanced, you know, no turnovers, couple of steals. It seems like he was just able to read what the game was giving him, as we sort of said about him as criticisms before, and sort of just be able to make an impact on all facets. Yeah, he was just like completely in flow. Everything was in sync. You saw a little extra energy and engagement from him offensively and defensively. I know Kenny after the 
game, praised him for his engagement defensively. Those two steals, he was just in there poking out loose balls and kind of just the hustle plays we were talking about in the previous show. We saw that today. There was also a couple plays where in the past he probably would have put up a shot or tried to force a layup. Instead, he made the extra pass. One play really stuck out. It was after a steal or some type of loose ball. He was on a two-and-one fast break. He could have easily kind of forced a layup, but instead he threw a bounce pass to Ed Davis. He scored on the layup. So it was just like, I don't know. It just seemed like he finally got it today. Like it just, he really looked like a true point guard. And then the scoring was just out of the world, you know, out of this world. Do you think the Nets need to invite Antonio Griezmann to every home game these days now? You need to hit him up with some season tickets. Screw <laughs> that, yeah. I think it did help him maybe, like seeing somebody he really likes. As, you know, he was a soccer player, if I'm correct, and like got him going. So I think maybe that is something that kind of motivated him. But he just was locked in. He it just like, I don't know, everything seemed to click on all aspects of the game for him today. Does this game give you hope going forward, Nicholas? Obviously, we chatted about with Matt and we've chatted about with Brian before about, you know, our issues with D'Angelo. Uh, and obviously, you know, Spencer got his payday. So, you know, D'Angelo is obviously the natural sort of topic, uh, topic point when you sort of, you know, uh, process of elimination. Does this give you confidence going forward or is this sort of a, a blip in the radar to play devil's advocate on the other side? You know, it's easily you could say it was just like another flash that we've seen, but this was probably, like I said, one of his best games. And I thought even if he didn't put up 32 points, I would have still thought it was a great game because of some of the extra efforts we saw defensively going for a couple rebounds out there. I just felt like he was in control and he understood what he needed to do. Obviously, it was against the Hawks and that you know plays a factor in this because they're not very good defensively. They're terrible. Another thing that stuck out in this game he felt comfortable taking advantage of his size. You saw him do it against Trey Young. You saw him do it against Jeremy Lin. Taking advantage of that size, you know, I think if he puts on some more weight, that could be something he could add to his game. So how happy were you to see Karis LeVert on the bench? I was super happy to see Karis LeVert. I was also surprised because he cut his hair. So that kind of caught me off guard. I was, you know, digging the look before, but it's very nice to see him out there. No boot or anything. So when they get him back, they'll have Spencer Dinwiddie, they'll have D'Lo, they'll have Lavert, all guys that can easily put up 25, 30 plus points in a night. And if you got two of the guys cooking, you're looking like a good shape for a W. Yeah, and I think, you know, the Nets are only going to add talent going forward. And, you know, we see the development. You know, Joe Harris is absolutely lethal. Alan Crabb on his Very good game for Joe Harris. Like, I want to say, Jack, I know you didn't get to watch it yet, but you're going to love it because he looks super confident. And, you know, he cooked a former net, Vince Carter. Every time he had Vince on him, he felt confident driving to the rim. Even one shot, he just pulled up and shot a three in his eye. Looking at it right now, four of seven from the field, three of six from three-point land, five of six from the free throws, and, and six assists as well. I mean, anything Joe Harris does, I always love. I mentioned on JBT as well. Um, he's my favorite Harris in the league. You know, <laughs> um, Sorry, Tobias, and sorry, Gary. Uh, but, yeah, it's just I, I, I know what I'm going to get from Joe Harris, and I think he uh, is just anything that he does. It's just very composed, very poised. But also, you know, he he provides energy, not in a way that's like, you know, sort of Rodion's and that it's infectious, but it's it's a steadying sort of force. So I'm, I'm happy to see that from Joe Harris. Uh, any other shout-outs? I with uh, Jared Allen today, too. A couple assists that led to some easy Allen dunks. Yeah, I've seen that a little bit of late from Joe because he attacks so well in terms of being able to drive and, and hit the rim with, with some force and use his sort of, you know, a body to sort of give him that elevation. But he's reading it quite well as now. And obviously those six assists, I think that those sort of little dinkle dumpers, you know, those mini passes, whatever you want to call them, 
You know, we saw plenty of them from Karras last season, but Karras obviously did the, the sort of wraparound passes. But I think Joe Harris has those sneaky little passes. I know Rondé's done a few of them. Jared Dudley's done a few of them. I think that because it's we attack the rim with such ferocity and we attack so relentlessly, they are going to be some easy assists down there if our players do have the awareness. But also, it is it can be a dangerous pass because if the team does, if the opposing team gets it, it can lead out into transition uh, offense for them, and transition defense is going to be tricky, you know, down low. So uh, I'm I'm interested to see how we keep sort of maintaining that aggression. Yeah, no, it's definitely something you have to be careful with. Anytime you turn over live ball, turnovers are terrible. I think also some credit to Jared Allen because he does a good job of finding space for guys, putting himself in a position where he can get the pass. Definitely. I think Jared Allen, even when he isn't having the offensive impact, he still knows where to be. And I think that that's uh, an awareness or just a a general IQ is going to keep on increasing for him. But Nick, any other standouts for you in this, you know, absolutely gargantuan performance? Literally going through the entire plus minuses, plus 27 for D'Angelo Russell. Our boy, Rodion Skouritz, plus 21. What did he do well tonight? You know, he started off a little bit slow, but then you just saw, you know, the regular Rodion things, you know, bringing the energy, getting in the fast break, getting in transition, cutting to the rim. There was one play, D'Angelo got in the paint. He kind of just slipped past the defense. D'Angelo hit him right under for a a nice little lay-in. So Rodion's just kind of did his thing today, you know, (laughs) just he's kind of developing, keeps kind of giving that little juice, like you mentioned, bringing that energy to the team. I thought Rondé had a really solid game early on, too, attacking as well. That first quarter really set the tone, though, for the Nets. They dropped uh, 44 points. They were just playing lights out. Atlanta looked like they were just, you know, a deer in the headlights in the first. Yeah, I mean, you want to set the tone. Uh, we sort of talked about the, our worries um, with Matt, who was at the game, mind you, as well. Shout out to him. Shout out to our boy. Um, it, we wanted to set the tone early and sort of, you know, make an impact. And obviously, the second quarter was a little bit of a worry. Uh, but any other, how was uh, Rondé as well? Nice little box score for him as well. Continues his, his solid forming, getting back to that consistency that we know and love from him. Yeah, a lot of activity in the paint. A lot of his shots came in the paint, driving to the rim, you know, getting to the free throw line. That was one big factor for the Nets. I think they shot over 30 free throws. You know, it was Dinwiddie, it was Rondé, it was Joe Harris, just all the guys attacking the paint inside. Atlanta really didn't do a good job, and when they tried to recover, they were in bad position and ended up fouling. Uh, I think Jared Dudley actually had a nice game. He knocked down a couple threes. You know, he had a nice uh, hesitation move on Herter out there that led to a lay-in. So not a bad game from Dudley, who gets just a lot of hate on a regular basis. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about Joe Dudley, Nick. Uh, I think, like you mentioned, he does catch a lot of hate, but I think he's been absolutely awesome for the franchise overall in terms of, you know, endearing himself to the fan base, you know, giving away the free tickets, you know, responding to, you know, just random tweets and such, and just being a a really respected veteran and a guy that I think has made our organization better. Um, Tell me, you know, what you've loved about Jared Dudley, not just from this game, but, you know, overall from this season, because I think he's sort of been an afterthought. We've He's been a whipping boy, you know, a sort of Quincy AC light, as Matt mentioned on the last episode. But Jared Dudley has been more than what we could have hoped for, surely. Yeah, definitely. I think he has more in the tank than we expected on the court, you know, knock down a couple threes, you know, bring that veteran presence out there, kind of understanding what to do. But like you said, off the court, I think talking to the media, you know, representing the Nets in a positive fashion, interacting with the fans, but also Spencer Dinwiddie after last game mentioned, you know, he was the guy that kind of hosted that player film meeting. And he kind of went through the film and told guys, you know, what they need to do and whatnot. So I think having a veteran like that has really helped. And the combination of him and Damari Carroll and Ed Davis has been huge for the Nets. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, funnily enough, Nick, I, just, I wanted to mention this to you as well as the fans uh, because we wouldn't make this mistake at OTG Basketball. But uh, ESPN in their team stats has total turnovers that uh, the Atlanta Hawks had 114 <laughs> to the Nets 13. Now, surely that isn't uh, the case. No, it was not the case. Uh, if you check NBA.com, the Hawks had 14, the Nets had 13. That extra you know, they, one. Man, gosh. <laughs> yeah, they, they added a one. But, uh, you know, it was just not a great game from the Hawks. They did a couple guys knock down threes. I think that's what kept them in it. They shot 14 and 29. Guys like Dwayne Dedman, who I think shoots 25% on the season, knocked down like three or four. So it's not like uh, Atlanta was great or anything. They did keep, knock down a couple threes to keep them in it. They had that big second quarter. But other than that, not very impressive performance from them. Yeah, and tell me a little bit more about the offensive over offense overall for us because, you know, Coach Kenny spoke about it after the game in terms of seeing that ball movement. What were some highlights for you? What sort of uh, – was it the first quarter that sort of set the tone for that uh, initially? Yeah, I think the first quarter set the tone. It was the ball moving. It was the player moving. It was constantly getting inside. We saw this a lot in the Wizards game. The Nets ended up taking a lot of shots in the paint right in front of the rim. You know, it wasn't even like there was a defender there or if they were, you know, the Nets already got themselves in a position to make that shot. And then when they didn't, they ended up at the free throw line. So I think it was constantly just working inside out, ball movement, good screens, taking open shots, making that extra pass. I think the offense, like you said, Jack, is just really in sync and it's just something fun to watch right now. Yeah, I mean, a lot of outside people outside, you know, the, the net stratosphere always marvel at how the Nets play basketball and they'll always enjoy watching them. I know Corey mentions it regularly on the outlet. I know my boy Nick Busing loves it from JVT. Uh, but in terms of the defense, Nick, there wasn't obviously a lot of defense played. But Coach Kenny did mention, you know, the fact that, you know, D'Angelo was active defensively. Uh, was it just the fact that Atlanta were making shots or was this just like a, a very modern game of basketball where it's just like no defense, you know, shots were just being made? Yeah, I mean, there was, like I said, that second quarter, when you let Atlanta score 40-plus points, that's pretty bad. They kind of got lazy. They were scoring so well offensively where they didn't have to get lock in. You know, the pace was pretty high, but like I mentioned, Dwayne Dedman looking at the stats, 5 of 5 from 3. You know, they gave him all those threes. That was in the scouting report to let him shoot. He's going to knock them down. There's not really a ton you're going to do about it. So I think some of it was that. There was other guys who were coming off the bench and trying to make a name for themselves, but most of the time when Atlanta got easy back baskets, it was just because the Nets weren't putting in a ton of effort because, you know, they were scoring so easily on the other end. They were just like, does it really matter? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and I think some fans uh, would be wanting us to chat about uh, Mr. Jeremy Lin, Nicholas. Uh, how was his performance tonight uh, against his old team? Mm, nothing special. <laughs> well, I think he, I think yeah. he might have got benched in the second half because he was so lazy defensively. There's a couple times, even in the first quarter, it's like he didn't play in the Nets the previous seasons. Well, I mean, he didn't play a ton of games, but he surely watched Joe Harris. There was one play where he just didn't put a ton of effort chasing Joe Harris off the screen. He got a wide open three in the first quarter. Not very impressed with Jeremy Lin. Yeah, I mean, we know why he was traded. He uh, made some sort of not necessarily striking comments, but it was like the message that he had was like, you know, I didn't want to be traded. You know, it was a surprise. Um, this shouldn't have happened. I, I wanted to be in Brooklyn or whatever, but with a, a little more a bite to it than I, than I would have expected. You know, he said that, you know, when coach Kenny made the call, I believe that he was just surprised to hear it. 
Um, but uh, I think that we all know that we wish we wish Jeremy Lin well. He's performed pretty well for Atlanta. I know you mentioned uh, on a podcast with Alex Golden that you know he'd be a nice fit in, in plenty of other teams that are looking for sort of just a makeshift guard, just a backup guard. Got the teams like Phoenix. You know, there's plenty of even Atlanta, uh, even Orlando. Um, so you know he hasn't had a horrible season, but um, you know he if he was with us right now, we wouldn't be seeing you know the flourish. Uh, the flourishing style of guys like D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dimwitty. Yeah, well, there's already plenty of talk about Dimwitty and D'Lo not having enough room in the backcourt. Imagine yeah. adding Lynn and his you know, stance to the mix. I think there would definitely be some issues. I know some Atlanta fans had mentioned in writers that Jeremy Lynn has kind of struggled after an ankle injury, so maybe he's a little bit off because his numbers definitely looked a lot better you know, going to the game. I think he's just maybe not super motivated playing to Atlanta. It gets tough after you know losing all these games and just playing a ton of guys that are outmatched every night. Yeah. Um, now, one final thing, Nick, uh, not away from the game, so to speak. We heard the news that Trevion Graham has been recalled to the G League Long Island team. Do you expect to see him in the next few games uh, suiting up for the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, I mean, we know the Nets love to work players back slowly, and there's no rush to add somebody to the mix right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if they give him plenty of time. You know, we don't see him for a few weeks, or maybe we don't see him to January because the mix right now at the Nets is great. But Trevion will definitely give them some more toughness and defense, some nice energy and hustle plays too. Yeah, it's uh, a wealth of riches, you know, an embarrassment of riches that we spoke about in terms of our depth that, you know, it's something that we could use to exploit uh, against other teams that don't have that, you know, necessarily uh, ready-made talent that can sort of just make an impact, make a good play, have that sort of composure, uh, you know, just be able to do the right things whenever they're out on the court and not let their egos get involved. I think the Nets, uh, it's going to be a real strength for us if we can stay healthy. And like you mentioned on the outlet, which I suggest everyone also subscribe to on iTunes, uh, the Nets are going to get Carlos Levert back at some stage. And when that happens, you know, obviously, you know, we hope D'Angelo Russell's at his peak and Spencer Dewey's at his peak. But you add in who, you know, I think a lot of people would say is our best player as well, then it's only going to get better. So I think it's, things are on the up, but, you know, uh, the, the the next step is the Lakers, I believe. Yes. So the that's Lakers be... and the Bulls, and we got a back-to-back. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle a back-to-back after some success. But I also just want to give one quick shout-out to Ed Davis, who I forgot to mention before. Had a very nice game, 10 rebounds. We also saw him get up for a couple dunks, threw in five assists too. So Ed Davis played more minutes than Jared Allen, who dealt with foul trouble today. Very impressive thing, adding to that depth, adding to that toughness talk. But, Jack, what do you think is going to happen in this upcoming back-to-back with Chicago and L.A.? Um, there's a part of me that's a little bit worried, Nick, because I know how – how uh, poorly we have performed notoriously over the past few years on back-to-backs. I just want to see, you know, the, the consistency that we have shown. You know, that second quarter, you know, I guess you could call an aberration. I'm going to watch the game as soon as we're off here. But uh, at the same time, you can't have those lapses against a team of the quality of the Lakers. You know, you could easily say they are the second best team in the Western Conference right now. You know, Golden State are, are head and shoulders above everyone else, but everything... Under that, you know, who knows? So I think we're really going to have to have our A game on. You know, the Bulls are, are starting to play some decent basketball, that nice little win against San Antonio. So it's not going to be easy. Uh, I think we are a better team than Chicago uh, by by far by far and away. But we need to be able to, because on any given day, you know, any team can beat, you know, another in the NBA. So we need to just take each game, each quarter as it comes and sort of uh, let it play out. But, you know, if we can play the way that we did, we're going to need to tune up the defense a little bit because the Lakers, you know, they love to run as well. And our transition defense is really going to need to be on. So uh, it'll be fascinating to watch. You know, LeBron James is going to do his thing. But uh, what is the support going to be like? Lonzo's feeling himself now. Uh, I'm I'm very intrigued to watch the... 
We always love watching D'Angelo against his old team. Uh, yes. I think that's always a general storyline. But Lonzo versus D'Angelo is certainly going to be one to watch. I think D'Lo, uh, with some momentum now, hopefully that, that bodes well for him. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And the last back-to-back was probably the most successful one in years. That was against Toronto and New York. So now going against two other major cities in L.A. and Chicago, it's going to be interesting how they bounce back. And it's going to be almost a similar kind of thing where L.A. is a top team in the West. Chicago is one of the bottom feeders. But can you take care of business and beat both teams? You know, L.A. just played a bad game against Washington, so I'm sure they're going to be motivated. Also probably spending a night in New York City, so maybe the Nets could capitalize on that. Yeah, I mean, maybe Bronny's taking them out to some cool wine bars uh, or something like that. We can can only hope. But uh, Nick, any final thoughts before uh, we end this one? Uh, I mean, I think I just want to say how good it feels to have the Nets on a five-game winning streak and things are looking so positive for the team. And I know the fan base is extremely happy. And the fact is the team is coming together and they're gelling. And I think it's finally starting to come together what Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson really expected. Yeah, I think Pooch tweeted out, Anthony Puccio tweeted out a couple of days ago when we had that four-game winning streak that the last time that happened, we did make the playoffs. So, you know, Yeah, I think it was the 38-44 and season. So That's right, that's right. Who knows? I mean, where there's a will, there's a way. You know, the Eastern Conference is an absolute shit show, as is the Western Conference, but for for different ways. But, um, you know, there's I think the Nets are really starting to get motivated find and, and really find their groove on the offensive end. Um, you know, like you mentioned, I'm going to be fascinated to see how we sort of stay around that range. If we can stay 20th or above in, in defensive rating, I think that we do probably make the playoffs. But um, the net rating and how bad we are defensively, because our offense almost seems to be taking care of itself when we have guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, D'Angelo Russell, and the, the scheme that Coach Kenny implements. I think it's defensively where we're going to have to keep an eye on. Yeah, and that's where I think getting Karis LeVert back is going to make a big difference, even the addition of Trevion Graham. And you mentioned the NBL before. My co-host, Corey Waldron, actually picked the Nets to squeeze into the playoffs on that eighth seed. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, he's speaking into existence. We appreciate uh, our boy, K-Wall. <laughs> yeah, I told him he'd get a better Christmas gift now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any thoughts on you, Jack? Any final things about the Nets or the upcoming games? I'm enjoying it, Nick, each game as it comes. You know, make sure, you know, always following the different spots. I'm going to be putting out some different player threads as well. Uh, I think most people are clamoring for a D'Angelo Russell one. So I'm going to put that one out uh, in in a space of a few hours. So for all our American listeners, when you wake up tomorrow, be sure to check me out at the JMNJBT. Yeah, for sure. Jack has been posting great threads. If you're looking for videos during the game, you can follow me at OTG Nick. And for all types of NBA content, follow OTG Basketball. But Jack, that wraps it up. As always, thank everybody for listening. Check us out. iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, YouTube, and Dash Radio.